0: Well, good morning. Uh, It's exciting to be with you guys again. If you're a visitor here, just want to again say welcome. So glad that you decided to come to Christ Fellowship this morning. Uh, We have our next room out in the foyer after service is over and some of our leaders and elders would love to spend some time getting to know you. Well, as Brian said, my name is Ben Moss and I'm the new college pastor uh, here at CF and have a picture uh, that I want to show you. Uh, This is kind of of my family. Uh, This isn't my whole family, but these are a few family members. Uh, Two of them are statues, but that's okay. Uh, So uh, uh, this picture was actually taken in 1993. Uh, and at the time that the picture was taken, if you don't know who the two gentlemen in the back are, that's Addison and Randolph Clark, who founded TCU. Uh, and at the time that this picture was shot, this was the oldest and the youngest living descendants of Addison and Randolph. The gentleman there down below uh, is one of their grandsons, uh, and the blonde hair, chilly, bull, blue-eyed, mouth wide open, two-year-old is me. Uh, and I wanted to share this picture with you guys. I wish we could have zoomed in just a little bit more, but because uh, the facial expression kind of captures how much I uh, am excited and joyful about being here in Fort Worth. Uh, and already so many of you have welcomed me with open arms and just am so looking forward to God continuing to move uh, here in Fort Worth and specifically among the college students. I love college students. College students are awesome and believe so much uh, in this space in their lives and that it is going to be a time where God is going to put them on a trajectory and they'll be forever changed. Let me uh, pray as we jump in. Jesus, thank you so much that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through you. God, I pray that you would come this morning and that you would speak. I pray you get me out of the way and that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we've been in a series talking about more in everyday life. And this morning we're going to talk about more in everyday life and specifically evangelism. All right, I know, I said the word evangelism, all right? So I know that some of you kind of maybe take a few steps back when you hear that. When I hear evangelism, man, I am ready to go. I just get so excited and I believe in evangelism so much because it is God's plan A for reaching the nations of the earth and there is no plan B. Matthew 28 8, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's a calling on your life to reach out, it's a part of the DNA of who you are. So I want to do a little exercise with you guys this morning that I think will help us to remember and appreciate the impact of our own salvation. Take a moment just to think about the time that you came to know Jesus. Where were you? Who were you with? What was going on around you? How did you feel? Joyful, accepted, peaceful, maybe loved for the first time in your life. These experiences are significant to all of us, but more importantly, they're significant to God. Luke 15.10 says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God's desires that every tribe, every tongue, every nation would confess that He is God. And I would argue that there's few things that bring the father more joy than a son or a daughter coming into right relationship with him. So what exactly do all of these coming to faith moments have in common? Well, most likely all of them can be traced back to a single life-changing relationship that you had with a Christ follower. Someone who is willing to lay down their life and walk alongside you in the journey of coming to know Jesus. These people put their own ambitions aside and focused on your needs because they loved you, cared about you, and wanted to see you succeed. Most of us are probably able to remember exactly who that person was. Why? Well, these people didn't just receive the gospel and let it end with one. Rather, they responded to the gospel by sharing with someone else, who shared with someone else, who shared with someone else, and so on down the line. It was the revelation of God's love and a healthy understanding of the fear of God that caused them to reach out. Aren't we thankful for people who appropriately responded to the gospel? They received the message of Christ and they gave it away. All of us are made to give it away. In the end, life isn't really about us. It's about other people. love this quote by Bill Hybels. He said, true followers of Christ who really get it right give themselves to people. Most importantly, they give themselves to pointing people to faith in Christ. This is the highest and best use of human life. To have your life serve as a signpost that points people to God. Isn't that good? Love that. You have a message to share, and it needs to be shared. Your story is God's story, and it's a part of His plan A for reaching the nations of the earth. God's greatest resource is people, and he's going to continue to use average followers like you and me to fulfill the Great Commission. Let's be a part. So we've talked a little bit about the impact of salvation and how it's something that is on God's heart. And I also want to mention the power of the gospel. And I have a question for you. You don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about the answer to yourself. And the question is this. What do you think are the top three reasons that people don't share the gospel in everyday life? Think about it. What are the top three reasons people don't share the gospel in everyday life? The answer... Fear, fear, and fear. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five: The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So it's like this. You're being held on to a snare, but the one that trusts in the Lord is the one that can break through. There's no need to fear because you are on the winning team. In fact, you're on the winningest team in all of history. God's team. And if we really believe that everyone is made in the image of God, then truthfully everyone wants to know Jesus. They just don't know it yet. I want to say that again. If we believe that everyone is made in the image of God, then everyone wants to know Jesus. They just don't know it yet. All right, so what does it look like for us to share the gospel in everyday life? Um, I uh, did some research and uh, came across something that uh, was very interesting. In today's world with all the distractions with social media, I wanted to find out uh, what's the average attention span of humans. An interesting question. Uh, and uh, the results were staggering. Uh, I, came apart, I came across a particular uh, project that revealed that in May of 2015, the average attention span of humans had fallen from 12 seconds in the year 2000 to 8 seconds in 2015. 8 seconds. But not to worry, the average attention span of the goldfish is 9 seconds. The goldfish is beating us. So what does it mean? What does it mean for sharing our faith in everyday life? Well, it means, guys, that time is precious. Every second counts in the kingdom of God. So the goal is not just to share, but to share our faith in a way that causes people to come to know Jesus. That's what we want. We want people to come to know Jesus. And I was reading a book this summer um, and it was a great book on evangelism, and I found a very simple and practical way to share the gospel that I wanted to share with, share with you and have an image here. And this is called The Moral Ladder. And I really like uh, this illustration of the gospel because it expresses our universal need for God. And it's especially good for people who don't think that they need God or that they can just be good enough on their own without making an actual decision to follow Jesus. So, you would share it in this way if you're talking with someone. Think of morality as escalating rungs on this ladder. God sits at the top of the ladder because he's holy and perfect. Evil people are at the bottom because they have bad morals, and humans are somewhere in between. Then you would pose the question, who's someone that you consider to be righteous? Righteous. They might say, Mother Teresa or Gandhi. If they run in Christian circles, maybe Billy Graham. Then asking them, uh, where do you believe you are based on the morals that you keep? Inevitably, the person will probably place themselves just below the righteous person that they have just described. Then ask, what's your plan to make up the gap? There's no way for you to rise to the standard of God's holiness and perfection on your own. True freedom is found in giving up your man-made plans and accepting what Jesus did on the cross. Forgiveness can be yours. Abundant life can be yours. Give your life to Jesus. Again, I love this illustration because it expresses our universal need as humans that on our own we cannot get back to God. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. I also love this because you can write this on the back of a napkin or a receipt at a restaurant. Maybe you can put it on a note card and keep it in your pocket. Always being ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus. One more note on the gospel. The gospel is enough. What Jesus accomplished on the cross is enough to save men's lives. Jesus is the only one who can open man's eyes and burn their hearts. Let the gospel do the heavy lifting. Just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go out on my first treasure hunt with Christ Fellowship. If you don't know what a treasure hunt is, it's where we go out in the city and we have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus by praying for people, encouraging people, and sharing the gospel. And I was partnered with some of our powerhouse junior high and high school ministry students over here. And I knew immediately that I was going to learn from them, that I just wanted to kind of follow in their tracks and what God was saying to them. And I was with uh, Chloe and Grace and Allison, and uh, we were waiting on God, and we just said, God, is there anywhere that you would have us go in the city? We felt like God highlighted the word park, so we went to one of the parks here in the city, and as we're pulling up, Grace says, "Uh, I feel like God's saying we're supposed to talk to a man that's next to a bench. Uh, well, sure enough, we pull into the parking lot, and there's a man standing next to the bench. So we get out, and the girls go and talk to someone, and this guy comes down the sidewalk, and I start a conversation with him. His name is Aaron, and it turns out that he's a TCC student uh, here in the city, college student, and he has this amazing dream of how he wants to play college basketball, uh, get a four-year degree, have a family someday, and as he's sharing and I'm getting to know him, I just feel like God presses on my heart. You need to share the gospel with him. Share the gospel with him at the end. I said, is that something you'd like to do, Aaron? Do you want to receive Jesus? And he said, oh, yes, you know, I, I really think I do want to make that decision today to follow Jesus. But could you come tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Uh, to my church building so that I can pray there with you to receive Jesus? And I'm thinking, you know, how do I navigate this conversation to tell him that he can pray right now, God's with him right now. And I just felt like God put on my heart, you need to share the gospel with him again. Shared one more time, and I could tell this time he was getting it. At the end, he said, oh, so you mean I don't have to be in the church to pray to receive Jesus? I I can do that right now here in the park? I said, yeah, man, you can do that right now. And he prayed to receive Jesus. It was awesome. Praise God. And I remember walking away and just thinking, I am so thankful for the power of the gospel. I'm so thankful that the message of what Jesus has done on the cross is enough to save men's lives. The pressure is off me and the focus is on Jesus. All right. So we talked about the impact of salvation and the power of the gospel. So now the bread and butter. What's our response? What does it look like for us to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission in everyday life? Well, I believe that it comes down to two words. Building relationships. Building relationships. And I have three practical ways that I think will help us to point people to Jesus through building relationships. The first one, spend time with people. John 3:22 says after these things Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea and there he was spending time with them. You know Jesus loved to spend time with people. It was one of his favorite things to do. In the first four chapters of John Jesus spends a lot of time with his disciples. They go together to the wedding at Cana. Then they travel down to Capernaum to spend a few days with Jesus' mother and brothers. Then they go to the Passover in Jerusalem and spend time together in Samaria where Jesus talks to a woman at a well. Finally, Jesus returns to Galilee, most likely accompanied by his disciples. And that's just the first four chapters of John. Jesus was all about spending time with people, building friendship, community, and trust. Time is one of the most valuable things we have to offer those who are not walking with the Lord. Let's be generous with our time. Five years ago, I had the opportunity to be a community leader at one of the residence halls at Baylor. And it was move-in day, and I was walking down, uh, getting to know all of the residents, and uh, I remember walking into one particular room, and I got to know this guy whose name was Moses. I thought, wow, pretty biblical, that's great. Uh, and uh, as I was talking to Moses, he... Uh, God just kept putting on my heart this one phrase, Moses is a leader, spend time with him. Moses is a leader, spend time with him. Walked back to my room, I wrote it down in my journal, and for the next six months, I spent time with Moses. I did every like manly thing we could possibly do together. We went to every football game and played basketball and had a great time getting to know him. And after about six months... Uh, Moses called me and said, Hey, Ben, I need to meet with you. So he sat me down and he said, Ben, I really appreciate the way that you've been reaching out to me, but uh, I feel like I'm not supposed to go to your church, and it's probably best that we not spend any more time together. Well, you can imagine, I was pretty discouraged, disappointed. And I remember walking back to my room and just praying again and saying, God, what do I do next? And the exact same thought came to mind. Moses is a leader spend time with them. And I thought, God, did you not just hear what Moses said? He said, he doesn't want to go to church. He doesn't want to spend time with me. And the same thought came to mind. Well, I reinitiated with Moses and sure enough, he was open to spending some more time together. The next six months, our friendship turned into more of a discipleship relationship. The next year, Moses helped me to start a life group. The next year, Moses started his own life group of 30 international students at Baylor. The next year, Moses led a short term trip to South Africa where he saw a number of salvations and healings happen. Today, Moses is leading my section back in Waco. And if you don't know what a section is, that's a group of about 50 or 60 college students that are passionately following Jesus. Moses is walking in his identity as a leader. But where did it start? It started because God said very simply, spend time with Him. Walk the journey with Him as He comes to know His real identity and what He's made for. I want to make one note here, and it's specifically for the guys in the room, the men in the room. And just want to say at, at that time, that, that was my job. That was the occupation. I was employed by Baylor. That's what I had to do. And I think lots of times we think of our workplaces Um, as a difficult place for us to bring heaven to earth, for us to build the church. We think, if I want to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, then I have to pull people to church on Sunday morning. Can I just say that your business is your church? Your workplace is your church. There are people all around you every single day when you walk in and you do your 8 to 5 job that are asking the question, is someone going to be the connecting piece for me to Jesus? You get to be that piece. All right, so spend time with people. Second, really profound way we can build relationships. Eat a meal. Mm. Luke 5, 30 through 32. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, But those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In about one fifth of the sentences in Luke's gospel, Jesus is engaging in a meal. Just a few examples. In chapter 7, Jesus tells Simon that his sins are forgiven over dinner. In chapter 14, Jesus invites the poor, crippled, lame, and blind to sit with him over a Sabbath meal. And finally, in chapter 22, Jesus takes the bread, gives thanks, and gives it to his disciples. Tim Chester said this, Meals are a powerful expression of welcome and friendship. They embody God's grace and enact God's mission. When we eat together, we share food as friends. We sit at the same level around the table. Then we can talk about our shared need of God's grace. Food is central to who we are, how we relate to God, and and to the story of salvation. I was talking about my experience as a community leader, and uh, before the year started, I was told that I was going to have thirty five residents, and I' was just kind of licking my chops, thinking, man, this is my golden opportunity. I'm going to reach all 35 residents. They're all going to come to know Jesus. By the end of the year, I'm just going to be baptizing all of them. It's going to be great. And I remember praying and saying, God, what is your master plan for us to partner together to reach all 35 students? And the thought came to mind, have dinner with them. And I thought, well, I'm hungry. So maybe that's why I had that thought. Just kind of Shrugged it aside, and I said, okay, God, what's your master plan for reaching all 35 students? And the thought came to mind again, have dinner with them. I went, well, maybe that's the Lord. The next week, I knocked on every door, and I said, "Uh, hey, guys, for the next year, I want to have dinner with you every single Monday night at 7 p.m. Would you believe it? For the next two semesters, I had 10 to 20 residents come every single Monday night. It was awesome. We spent time getting to know each other, getting in each other's lives. It wasn't complicated. Three weeks before school is out, I get a knock on my door. It's one of my residents, and he says, Hey, Ben, you need to go go and talk to Justin. He's in his room, and he's crying, and he says he won't talk to any of us, but that he'll talk to you. So I went down, I walked in the room, and sure enough, he's on his knees, and he's crying. I went down, I put my hand on him, I said, What's going on, buddy? He said, Ben, my life is a mess. Uh, I am flunking out of school. I'm about to lose my scholarship. My parents are so angry with me, and I'm not really sure what to do. The next hour, I just spent some time and prayed with him and encouraged him, and we read the Bible a little bit together. And as I was walking out, Justin looked back at me, and he just smiled. He said, thanks, Ben. I said, you're welcome. And he said, no, no, no. Ben, thank you so much for spending the last year with me and being available for me to always talk to you. He said, I knew that you would listen to me and I trust you. I have no idea what's going on in Justin's life right now, but I do know this. In that one hour, Justin took one step closer to Jesus. Can I just say that it was worth the entire year every Monday night, for one person to take one step closer to Jesus? Imagine the number of opportunities that are in this room. Hundreds, if not thousands, for us to be able to start a friendship, start a relationship with someone, and be a part of connecting them to Jesus, who ultimately is going to be their source of greatest joy and great adventure and life. All right. Third way, establish rhythms. Establish rhythms. All of us have a busy schedule, including me. But those who are walking in their identity as an evangelist take advantage of their busy schedule to advance the kingdom of God. God is always putting divine appointments in our path during the day. What if we stopped long enough to consider what God is doing in the people around us? What is their story? What has life been like for them? What are their dreams? Putting ourselves in these people's lives and earning the right to be heard. Uncovering their stories with compassion and grace. And then making ourselves available when God opens a door. Jesus is best known for initiating everyday conversations with everyday people. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are per- perishing. I'd love to pray this prayer. God, I am always available to play the role that you want me to play today. Whatever it is, here I am. So what's the key to establish rhythms in everyday life that bring heaven to earth? Well, I believe that the key is to go to the same places and build friendship with people. There's no special model here, just friendship. We all have errands that we take throughout the week, the dry cleaners, bank, restaurants, the pharmacy, the grocery store, maybe our neighborhood or, again, our workplace. And it's in these places that God is calling us to be his hands and feet. What would it look like for people to say about Christ Fellowship, we are the aroma of Christ in this city? That we love people really, really well. Six months ago, I was uh, in Walmart. Yes, I confess, I love Walmart, uh, and I was doing my grocery store grocery store shopping, and I was actually in a hurry. And I was walking up to the checkout, and as I was doing that, I just felt like God put on my heart that I needed to ask the cashier what her name was and if I could pray for. Her. Very simple. Got her name and spent some time getting to know her. And right before I left, I said, hey, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I love Jesus. He's changed my life. Is there any way that I can pray for you? She looks back at me and she says, yeah, you can. I'm a single mom and I've taken on multiple jobs. I'm not exactly sure where the next meal is going to come from. And I really need some help. I said, I'll be praying for you. I left, and uh, at the time, I was living with a family in Waco, and the dad from this family uh, came home, and he said, hey, Ben, I'm getting ready to go do my grocery store shopping. Do you want to come with me? And my first thought was, no, I just did my grocery store shopping. Uh, And as I had that thought, I thought about that cashier, and I felt like God just put on my heart, you need to go back, and you need to talk with her again. So we're checking out again, and I told the dad, I said, hey, we need to go to this aisle so we can... Go to this lady, and as I'm walking up, she, she, our, our eyes, our faces, she catches a glimpse of me, and this huge smile comes across her face. And I can tell that in the last hour, God's already been working on our heart. We walk up, and we had an amazing conversation. The presence of God comes, and uh, at the end of it, we were actually able to invite her to church. I found out that the next week that someone from our church actually followed up with her. I haven't seen her since. I don't know what's going on in her life, but I do know this. In that two-hour period, she too took one step closer to Jesus. It was worth me putting aside my busy schedule, whatever was going on, for one person to see Jesus more clearly. Amen? All right. Last way. Walk in obedience with the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that... We can build relationships with people. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Our objective is to walk when he prompts us to walk. Talk when he prompts us to talk. Fall silent when he calls us to fall silent. And stay when he asks us to stay. In my times with God in the morning, I love to pray at the end, just, Holy Spirit, is there anyone or anything that you want to highlight to me today? Some of you know that about a month ago, I had the opportunity to take a scouting trip to Russia. And I took uh, four Mongolians with me. And the morning that we we were in Mongolia at the time, and the morning that we were getting ready to cross the border, I was spending time with God. And I got done, I just said, Holy Spirit, is there anyone or anything that you want to highlight to me? And I just kept hearing the word salvation, salvation, salvation. Wrote it down in my journal and I told my team, I said, hey guys, I feel like God is highlighting the word salvation. I'm not sure what it means, but I think we should trust God. Well, we crossed the border and uh, took us all day and we finally arrive at this little hut. And I come to find out that there's a group of people who have traveled over 500 kilometers just to come to this little house church gathering because they heard that we were going to be talking about Jesus. We're worshiping in the Altai language and this mom of this family uh, comes in and uh, through translation she says, uh, you need to go and talk to the two guys who are standing in the back uh, because they're not engaged in worship. I was like, yes ma'am, okay, I'm going. And I go over and I start a conversation with the two guys. Turns out that they're the taxi drivers that have taken all these people uh, this long distance. I shared my faith with them a little bit. They said, hey, we're not really interested in that Jesus thing. I said, no worries. Uh, Why don't you come back tomorrow and we'll have some coffee together. They come back and uh, we talked with them for about four hours. Three different people shared their testimony. I shared the gospel about three different times And literally right before we're getting ready to leave to go to a totally different part of the country, they both received Jesus. It was an awesome moment. And I remember just God's presence being there and being so thankful how God had moved. And the next day I was spending time with God and I looked back in my journal and I saw that word, salvation. You know, God knew exactly what he wanted to accomplish, My responsibility was just to try and walk in obedience to what he was saying. God is always speaking to us if we would just have one ear inclined towards heaven. One last story as we close. Uh, This summer there was a group of people from uh, the church that I had worked with in Mongolia that had the opportunity to uh, go Uh, specifically into a country that was just south of Mongolia to do an outreach trip. And they're out one day, and they're sharing the gospel. And one of the ladies on our team feels like the Holy Spirit is highlighting a specific neighborhood that they're supposed to go to. Well, they go into this neighborhood, and as they're walking in, this lady comes running out of her house and says, Come in! Come in! Come in! So they kind of go, well, I guess that's where we're supposed to go. I don't really know. but So they went in and they start talking with this family and getting to know them a little bit. And this lady from our church just feels like God is really impressing on her heart that she needs to share her testimony. So she jumps right in and she says, 35 years ago I divorced my husband. And because of that it caused a lot of pain and anxiety in my life. But then I met Jesus and As she's sharing that story, one of the ladies in this family stops her and says, whoa, 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 can you go back to the part where you were talking about the guy that you divorced? She says, well, 35 years ago, I divorced this man. And this lady looks back at her and goes, that man's my brother. Out of the little over 1 billion people in this country... This lady from our church is sitting in front of the family of her ex-husband. One by one, she starts going down the line and washing the feet of every single family member and repenting to them and saying, I am so sorry for any pain that I caused you. Would you please forgive me? Would you please forgive me? The sister of that family when she gets done, says, you need to come and you need to share this message of Jesus with our eldest brother. And if you don't know about that culture, to have the opportunity to share something with the eldest brother of the family is the highest place of honor that someone can receive. It all started because they were just walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit and what God was saying. All around us, when we are attentive just towards heaven and towards hearing God's heart, He wants to use all of our hands and our feet to bring the kingdom of God, not just here in Fort Worth, but in the nations of the earth. Amen? Amen. So our worship team comes forward this morning. Uh, I'd like for you guys to go ahead and stand up, and our prayer team can come forward as well. So I was uh, just praying and asking the Lord, what does He have for us uh, today? I felt like He was highlighting two uh, groups of people. The first group, you have actually never made the decision to follow Jesus. You're hearing this message maybe for the first time or for the hundredth time. And God's saying that today is the day of salvation. God's saying that today is the day for you to reach out to Him and to trust Him for the first time in your life. So if everybody would just close their eyes with me and if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus today, I want to give give you that opportunity right now and I'm going to count down from three and if that's you, I just want you to boldly raise your hand and put it in the air. Three He is the name that is above every other name. Two... He died on the cross for you and rose back to life so that you could have eternal life with God in heaven. One, call on the name of Jesus today and you will be saved. If that's you, all across the room, I just want you to raise your hand. You can put it boldly in the air. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I see you. Amen. Thank you, God. Yes, God. Yeah, if you want to receive Jesus, you can just pray this prayer after me in your heart. And you just say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I choose to turn from my old self and come to you instead. Would you come and live inside my heart? Would you save me, Jesus? And I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. I love you, Jesus. Amen.